everybody. Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by just asking some questions, interviewing thinkers, and just having some real, honest conversations about what it looks like for us to lead the next generation. And I'm Brett, and this week I'm joined by Chef. Hey, everybody. Crystal. Hey. And Ashley. Hello. And we are excited that you are with us today to talk about this idea of how to keep your student ministry from being shallow. And now if we made a top list of things that our ministries tend to get judged by, I think (laughs) at the top of that list would be something that we've had many, many conversations about, and that would be numbers. Whatever numbers that might be, that tends to be one of the things that ministries get judged a lot by. I think another thing would be this idea of, of depth versus shallow. Hmm. So, oh, you guys teach the Bible, not in series. You, go, you guys must be really deep. Or, oh, you don't do expository preaching. You must not be very deep. And I think that there's so many different nuances and levels to that that we can, that we can get off and we can go down the wrong path in those conversations. So as we kind of jump into this conversations, we always talk about kind of these tensions that we feel with this. So I just want to jump right into this and let's define some of those tensions that I think exist so far. And one of those is what is shallow? What, what is a deep ministry? What is a shallow ministry? How, how would you guys define some of those things? I'm so glad you're asking because I feel like the words deep and shallow are things that we hear all the time. We hear it when we talk to youth leaders. We hear it in Facebook groups. They're like 90 bajillion youth pastor Facebook (laughs) groups. (laughs) And there's always this question of of deep versus shallow teaching. And I've asked some leaders, what do you mean by that? And the answer is always different. Right. Some of them mean a certain style of, of teaching. Some of them, one, one guy in particular, I said, hey, what do you mean by that? He said, more gospel. And I was like, more like like Jesus resurrected, like crucified and resurrected. Is that word? No. And I was like, oh, well, let's talk more about that. And he goes, what I mean is more Bible verses. And mm. so it kind of took three layers to even get to what we meant by deep. Which to me means shallow. I mean, you can dig into Bible verses and go deep with them, or you mm-hmm. can just kind of skip along and just hit a ton of Bible verses. So again, and that's probably my biggest frustration with this whole thing, Brett, and this is like, I mean, you are hitting such a nerve, so I'm hoping to keep myself under control during this. But I mean, <laughs> we're hoping chef. you let loose. Mm, anybody, anybody can look at any ministry and say that it's deep or it's shallow based on their personal definition. Right. And so, really, mm-hmm. every single one of our ministries is deep and shallow, depending on the, you know the perspective. Mm. So, I think you know that's where I go crazy, and we'll get to the. I have a definite. I have a personal definition for deep, and if you don't, Ooh. then you don't know. But we'll get to that in a minute. I think. How about you, Ash? You know, I think it's hard to measure it and actually form an opinion until you actually understand the whole picture. I think a lot of mm-hmm. people judge something just on a piece of it rather than how it all works together, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a lot of times where people form their opinions. Yeah, nobody's judging deep and shallow based off any area of their ministry other than the talk from stage. Right? Hmm. That's really good. A really great point because, you know, and then why? Thank you. You want to hear Crystal one. That was a perfect chance for a nice little Han Solo I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of it was like I think it's a really good point, and I think one of the things, you know, we were talking about in another episode that because kids loved it doesn't mean that it's a great talk. Mm. That's right. But I think kids can love it for a couple reasons. It could be that you were hilarious. It could mean 
that you were deep and you actually hit something, or it could mean that you were hilarious because mm-hmm. <laughs> while you were being deep, because you know, often we think that fun and deep are opposites, right? Mm-hmm. And often, really funny things are funny because they strike at something that's real and deep and true. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the conversations that I've had when people are asking questions about, you know, what's shallow, what's deep, is that I've found that the better the better question to talk about is strategy and not what's deep or what's shallow. It's mm-hmm. the, so the question isn't, hey, is your ministry deep, is your ministry shallow, but is your ministry strategic? Cause really like, a shallow question. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry about that. You're but like what we're saying, there, there are gonna be pieces of, you know, if we talk about parties, like we've been to parties or we've seen or heard of parties that some people might are say. Are you allowed to call it that? Oh, no. the super important uh, football game, <laughs> football game. Yeah, party. Go. That's what we always we call it. We have to blank it out. That'd be funny. We should just <laughs> beat, beat me out. Beep. All right. So, Mom, if you're listening, I promise I didn't curse right there. We're trying to avoid some fines, but we're talking about that very big football game that we all gather together for once a year to watch kind of party that many of the your ministries have probably hosted some sort of gathering. Gathering to enjoy some wings to enjoy the pigskin <laughs> pizzas big. It's all about the food uh-huh. for the me. Big game. dips. <laughs> anyway, it's the one time couches are a good idea. Again, again, <laughs> oh, wow. one time. Oh no. <laughs> okay, so we've all heard about those parties where halftime it gets shut off. Everybody comes to sit down. Hey, in the midst of all the fun that you're having, we're going to lead some worship here, and we're going to have a chance for you to make a decision for Christ before wow. the third quarter comes yep. on. Now some people would look at that and be like, "Hey, halftime altar call." That's a deep that's that's a deep ministry that's, a deep that's willing to do something like that. And I would look at that and I'd say, "Man, that's not a very strategic idea because you're going to creep anybody out who's there for the first time mm-hmm. or they're going to be really confused like, "Wait, bait and switch sort of a thing." So for me, the deep and shallow sometimes just isn't as helpful as thinking about what's what's the strategy and what are you intentionally trying to do at different times. And the halftime show is the best part. I was going to say, this year, I'm not missing the halftime <laughs> Ultra call show. during third quarter. All right, so when it comes to trying to figure out, okay, I want to have a deep ministry, but I also want to have a, a strategic ministry. I don't want to have a shallow ministry, but I also want to have fun, and I want to build connections in the ministry. What are, what are some of the challenges or what are some of the tensions that youth leaders are feeling right now when it comes to to all of these questions that they're either thinking internally and that they're probably getting externally too from senior pastors, from parents. Hey, my kid's not having fun. They want to have fun when they come to ministry or, you know, a parent saying, Hey, my kid isn't feeling challenged. It's not deep enough. They're going somewhere else. Well, I think it's exactly what you said that kids are in all different spots when it comes to faith and spirituality. And so what some kids who've been in church their whole life need is going to be different than what the kid who's walking through the door for the first time needs. And I mean, it's the same problem we ran into in education, the problem of differentiation, because they're at all different places. So how do you teach so that every kid's getting what they need? And it, and at some, in some ways, you know, when, if that's, if you're just talking about information and knowledge, that is Mm -hmm. true, but in some ways they all need the same things as well. They all have the same deep needs depending on their development, depending on where their mind is, where their brain is, and where they are spiritually. I mean, you know, that it's just it's just a new way to think about your relationship with God because their mm-hmm. brain's thinking about it in a whole new way. So they may know the story, but for the first time really, you know, apply it in a new way. So. Yeah. 
It reminds me, Chef, of something you said at Orange Conference a few years ago, and I might butcher your words here, so I'm sorry in advance. So you can correct me if you no longer agree with this statement. I probably don't. <laughs> the statement. You said so, something like, what you count reveals what counts to you, and something like that. And I, I still remember it because I think it, when you're talking about depth, it really reveals your values as a ministry leader. Like, mm-hmm. are you valuing the total number of kids that are there? Or are you valuing how many kids you actually know where they are in their spiritual journey? Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So essentially we're talking about the fact that it's a moving target, that especially if we've got combined ministries where we've got sixth graders through 12th graders, I mean, we've got some big challenges ahead of us of trying to, mm-hmm. to hit people where they are and have them be able to connect with what we're doing on 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 different levels. Mm-hmm. So one of the unique things is that is that you all are involved in developing a curriculum mm-hmm. where we are trying to help do some of these things. And so what what's the challenge that you guys have felt in struggling through? How do we make this relatable? But how do we have the, the right level of depth that's appropriate, that's helpful developmentally where they are? But all of those different pieces, how do you guys handle that? I mean, this is something that we wrestle with all the time mm-hmm. because we're serving... Um, it was like 60 or 70 denominations and they're, they're mm. all at different places and their students are all at different places. And one of the things we did this year that was both helpful and I think made things even, even more complicated was as a team, we, we went through the entire Bible together and picked out every verse or passage that we felt like a, a kid should know by the time they graduate high school. Hmm. And the problem was we couldn't pick the whole Bible because <laughs> right. there's just not time. And and all of Scripture is important. So then how do we prioritize based on the number of years we have? And even from that list, we end up with like four giant creative boards and hundreds of cards of verses that are absolutely essential. We don't have that many weeks with kids. Mm, right. So then what do we do? And it became like, which ones? And then become, they don't come every week. And they don't <laughs> you know, come like we write week. a week. Cre- we don't write a curriculum as if, I mean, many people do, but we don't. We don't write a curriculum as if they're going to be here. Right. And some things week. have to be repeated. So now you're yeah. spending multiple weeks on the same idea. And, and we ended up having to sort of prioritize of what becomes a main stage talk idea that's repeated. Right. What right. shows up in small group conversations? What shows up in a personal devotion? Hmm. And I I wish we didn't have to prioritize that way, but our time with kids is limited, so we have to. If only someone asked Jesus what was most important. (laughs) That would have been so helpful. I think they may have. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. (laughs) Sarcasm. That was. (laughs) I think another mistake we make is we look at student curriculum and think that students are us, Hmm. like that they Mm -hmm. are adults, and we think through it that way and we forget to go back to what it was like to be a middle school and think about the questions we were asking at the time, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. really defines what deep is for us in middle school right? as well as high school. And those are so different. So many times, not only do we not have enough Sundays to hit all the verses, but I need to hit the verse again when they're at a different stage because Mm -hmm. they can now see it in a whole new light because they're asking different questions. Yeah. Right. Especially when you look into what's happening in the brain of a middle schooler and how fast their brain is changing and rewiring something you teach them in the beginning of sixth grade, they may have no like memory of even talking about that verse or they had no idea how it applied to their life then. And all of a sudden they need to talk about it right now. 
I've always felt like that what happens in most small group rooms or most Sunday school rooms across the country week in and week out, it has more to do with how the adult is going to feel when they leave the room than it has mm -hmm. to do with mm. how it's going to impact that student where they are. And it's that idea that if the if the adult leaves with the confidence of like, mm, I brought the word this Sunday, yeah. then then we're then we're we're deep. We're not we're not skipping the hard stuff or whatever whatever kind of language that we want to use to try to give ourselves some some confidence that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. When in reality, the adult leaves with that confidence, and the kids leave with absolutely nothing. Right. right. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. I think so often I hear youth pastors. Um, talk about, I'm so tired of teaching the same things, or it feels like the same topics come up or the same scripture verses come up. And I think it's easy for our, us as youth pastors to get tired of it because we're the ones maybe teaching it every year. Mm -hmm. But that's where it becomes challenging because then you just have to figure out new creative ways exactly. to teach it, not necessarily. Because if the truth of the Bible doesn't change, that means the truth that the students need to learn doesn't change yeah. either, right? It's just the way that you present it. Yeah. Well, speaking of the way you present it, I think, you know, and this is maybe a whole different point, but I went to seminary, studied in seminary, you know, um, I didn't love it, but you know what, you know what makes me love scripture more than anything is writing curriculum and the way yeah, Jesus teaches. It's amazing to me. I have a friend who is brilliant. Like he, he, you know, if he goes on a mission trip, the the um, State Department needs to know where he's going because he's one of those guys you can, like, kidnap and have him make you a bomb and stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know? Wait, he's really? Brilliant. Yeah, no, honestly. <laughs> and and um, I, I, he, I have a friend who's an atheist down the street, and I thought, these guys need to sit down. So I took them both to dinner and just listened to him talk to this really smart atheist mm -hmm. friend with this really smart Christian guy. And he said... He goes, I have read physics books cover to cover. I've done all these sorts of things, but the Bible is the only book that I can read again and it teaches me something new. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? And yeah, he was talking awesome. specifically about the teachings of Jesus and how, you know, hmm. he rarely answers your question directly. You know, he mm -hmm. always tells a story. And again, when you're looking at it from a developmental cognitive development standpoint, it works so great to tell a kindergartner the story, to tell them again in sixth grade, to tell them again in 11th grade, and it means something deeper to them as you, know, as you go. But it is a mistake to teach a kindergartner as if they can get what an 11th grader or even a sixth grader can get out of right. that same story. But uh, to your point, Brett, but I sure leave feeling like I brought the word today. You know? Yeah. I, I, something I love that Reggie Joyner always says is there's a difference between teaching the Bible to kids and teaching kids the Bible. And w teaching the Bible to kids would be, here's everything that scripture says, now go make your choices and do life with it. Mm -hmm. And then there's, this is how the, what we're learning in the Bible applies to you. And I think if you ask yourself if the end goal is knowledge, that's a totally different goal than if the end goal is application. So true. Yeah, application. And I mean, I love the Bible and I want kids to love the Bible. And that's why I don't spend a lot of time on Melchizedek, the pagan priest, you know, mm -hmm. with sixth graders. It's, mm -hmm. you know, I want to dive in and show them how it relates to their lives and show them how to really get the most out of it that they can. And if you look at any of the studies on retention, 
specifically, mm-hmm. like more information doesn't mean necessarily more retention, especially in the brain of a teenager. It's often the mm-hmm. opposite. Yeah, right? it's, yeah, it is often the opposite. Like you kind of cloud the water when there's multiple things being thrown at them because the chances of them retaining the information are only higher if they actually do something with the information. And so I think a lot of times um, where we miss the mark as youth pastors is helping them move what they're learning from uh, passive learning to active learning, meaning they're just mm-hmm. receiving information versus doing something with it. And so if you're a student leader who is trying to be really intentional about discipling your students or helping your small group leaders disciple your students, and you're being really intentional about wanting to do that in a way that developmentally connects with where your seventh graders are or where your ninth graders are or where your 12th graders are, you might get some some challenges, you might get some pushback from senior leadership or from parents on, hey, my kid doesn't know the 66 books of the Bible. My kid doesn't know who who the minor prophets are. My, mm-hmm. my, you know, as a small group leader might come to you and say, hey, I really want to lead my kids through the book of Ezekiel or something along those mm-hmm. lines. So in, in those situations, what what's some advice or what's some guidance that you would give those leaders who are trying to walk that balance between between wanting to elevate scripture and the Bible in their ministry to mm-hmm. honor where their senior pastor or their parents are coming from for for there to be that level of of relationship that their students are learning to have with God through the text but are wrestling with I just don't know if that fits right here I don't know if that's appropriate yet what what's some advice that you would give to them Well I think when I've heard small group leaders ask that question or parents or even some of the own the students in my group, they always use the same terminology. They always say, what I want is more meat. And they're referring to this verse in Hebrews, right? That talks about spiritual maturity. Mm. And you you used to be babies who needed to be fed milk, but now need to be fed meat. And I was talking with, with a mom in our ministry about that. And she said something to me that has always stuck in my mind. She and her, she and her son were having this conversation. And she said, she said, people who are mature enough for meat don't have to have someone else feed it to them. <laughs> and wow. so but true maturity is not just eating something that's more complex, or in our case, ingesting scripture that's more complex, but it's learning to feed yourself. So if you want to be mature, you learn to feed yourself. And I think that's something that we have to encourage small group leaders and, and even students is, hey, if you're looking for maturity, you're not looking for me to teach you something more complicated. You're looking to start feeding yourself. And often that will start with something more tangible and more of an on-ramp for you. Does hmm. that be, did that make sense? I think it does. I think, you know, it's, uh, yeah, geez, these words get thrown around, around so much. And mm-hmm. as soon as you say it's about application, people say you're shallow and all that mm-hmm, sort of stuff. Right. But, but the reality is, is it's one thing to know scripture. It's mm-hmm. another thing to practice it. I mean, you know, for me, I'm going to go ahead and give you my deep end answer. Like, I think the deep end of the pool when it comes to faith is when you consistently can lay down your life. I think that's what Jesus Mm -hmm. said. Like, there Mm -hmm. is no greater love than this. That's the deep end of the pool. And so for a middle school kid, the deep end of the pool this week might be that they apply that and let a kid sit next to them on the bus Mm -hmm. just because it's so hard for them to lay it down. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, you think... you. Of course, we go to like scripture, but sometimes I think it's easier to go on an exciting trip to Uganda than to let a kid sit next to them on the bus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
to me, that's where a depth of faith is going to come because they are once they do that, they're going to experience what they were created for. They were going to ex- and and they're going to want more of it. So I don't just want them to feed themselves. I want them to want to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think Jesus mm-hmm. is clear. He's like, hey, you're standing in line to 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 make the sacrifice to get closer to God, right? And you realize there's something wrong with one between me and a brother or me mm-hmm. and a sister. What does he tell us to do? Put it down and go deal with that because it's harder to go apologize sometimes than it is to sacrifice your favorite lamb. You know, I mean, and I think our faith grows both vertically and horizontally and that faith is such a 360 thing that, you know, just these conversations where application isn't deep and all that, they're just not helpful. Mm -hmm. But developmentally, that makes teaching more complicated. That makes writing a curriculum for us more complicated, makes small group leading more complicated because... Getting a kid to understand and practice application just takes more time than just teaching a, another Bible story or another Bible verse, um, particularly because what we've learned is developmentally, they're not very good at inferring. No. They can't come to those conclusions on their own, and they need example after example after example and handlebar after handlebar after handlebar of how this applies to them. It just it just takes so much more time and so much more yeah. work to do it that way. It really does. It'd be just easier to just, here's your script. Go with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Chef, you said that um, you don't want the students to just feed themselves, but to want to feed themselves. So That's what do you think it is that makes them want to? Experiencing it? Well, I think experiencing it is part of it. I think trusting Jesus, trusting God with something. Because, you know, one thing we talk about is we want them to trust God or trust Jesus because he knows better what they need than they do. And, um, you know, that's one of the core things we want to come back to. And so the way you do that is you trust him with something you're scared about, then you experience it and you go, you know what, Mm -hmm. that, I mean, you've got to, at some point prove it. Right. Um, yeah, I think, you know, trust falls, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so hard the first time, but if you get caught the first time, it's easier the next time. If you don't get caught the first time, (laughs) not so easy the next time. Right. So it's kind of like. Let's use soccer, for example. Of course. <laughs> oh, good. Another Let's sports example. Use soccer <laughs> for an example. Um, so you can learn your whole life about soccer, right? You can put on the jersey. You can talk about it with friends. You could read books on it. But it's not until you actually get in the game, right, and play that you start to... Is it? Do you fall in love with it because what you learn about it, or do you fall in love with it because you play it? Well, I, I mean, I think that's where we are developmentally. That's why we talk about, you know, mobilizing as mm-hmm. they get older. We want them to quit coming to church and become the church. Right. The kids who become the church don't leave the church mm-hmm. when they head off to college because they have felt God do work through them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were created for. Like, that's mm-hmm. the most fulfillment you're ever going to have on this planet is getting to join God in what he's doing as he's, you know, redeeming his world. And he's asked us to be part of it. And when we feel, you know, when we actually, when we, one, when we understand that God's entrusted us with something important to him and we've come through, I mean, that's where true fulfillment is, Hmm. I think. It takes more effort from the youth pastor, the small group leader to walk with a kid through scenarios and situations than it is to just tell them the truth. So much. It's so funny because I feel like I've been having the same conversation my whole life, and we can cut this if it's not helpful. But as a Spanish teacher in a Spanish classroom, and we were always fighting the tension 
of teaching more vocabulary versus teaching kids the skill of speaking a language. And teaching kids the skill of speaking a language just took so much more time. That's true. And you couldn't brag about it at the teacher conferences. You couldn't go in and be like, well, my kids learned 300 vocabulary words this month. And so it was just easier to go more mm. information over more practice. And I feel like I'm having a very similar no, conversation. That's such a great point. I mean, the same thing with math, right? I was a math teacher. So mm. when my kids come home, I was thinking about it last night, and the teacher has taught them some trick to figure out the answer versus truly understanding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why the math worked. It drives me crazy. <laughs> like I, That's a lazy teacher, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I think it is. And they don't understand it probably. Hey, you know? I have the same story in the health classroom because <laughs> we talked, I mean, you can either do like scare tactics of like this percent of people are get this right. STD yeah, because, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know? Because or, don't is such an effective yeah. term with teenagers. <laughs> but that was such a huge conversation, uh, you know, amongst the health teachers was how can we actually give them the skills to actually live a healthy lifestyle, not just necessarily know all the facts about it, because that doesn't necessarily, that's just behavior modification then, right? Mm-hmm. But if you do that, it's not going to be very deep because you didn't cover enough content. I mean, Okay. So, so let's talk about, okay. So if we're, if we're sitting down with somebody, we're looking at their ministry or we're thinking about, okay, trying to design a, you know, a, a, a deep student ministry, what are some of those characteristics? What are, what is, what are the, some of the things that can be benchmarks to help us as student leaders think like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on the right track. I'm doing some things that are, that are helpful, that are beneficial. Well, I would say make sure the discipleship plan for a kid is not just what happens on stage, okay. but that that is at most 30% of what's going on, but that kid is also being discipled in the context of relationships with an adult, relationships with peers, relationships with the parents and equipping those parents, and also private disciplines, quiet times, that sort of thing. I want to make sure that they're growing in their faith in a lot of arenas and not just when I'm teaching on stage. Mm. I think that's so good. And for them to wrap that truth or, you know, around their lives, I think it takes a safe place. And so what I'm looking for in a ministry is someone who's strategic, to go back to your your word, so strategic that they've thought about how do I create a safe place for this middle schooler? How do I create a safe place for this 11th grade girl? Whatever it is. And that you know, at the core of that are the people you put in the small group rooms that they're going to be the the main thing that defines safety. But you've also thought through several other things in order to create this safe place because they've got, if they're going to have a deep faith, they've got to ask the hard questions. Hmm. Does, do your kids have a place to ask the hard questions? And That's if you're developing a skill, you have to have room to fail. Yeah. You, and you, and yeah. And they've got to, they've got to ask the hard questions. They've got to be able to admit to something that's going on in their lives. They've got to be able to talk about something that's hard in the house because like, you know, as they're growing up, they, they, I mean, these are faith issues. Their identity issues are faith issues and, and we've got to create those spots. So I want to see strategy towards creating a safe place. And I mean, even writing a great question for a yeah. small group leader to mm-hmm. win, you know, those are mm-hmm. all important things. I think one of the misconceptions that we often have in church in general, not just youth ministry, is that depth equals more programming. And so one of the things that I think would be, you know, that that when I read things like Sticky Faith and, and Growing Young, and I see a lot of the, the research that's coming out about this next generation, it's not that the more programs a ministry has, the deeper it is, but a lot of times it's it's the the less programming and the more strategic they are. Right. Um, a conversation that I have with a, a, a lot of a lot of leaders um, as I talk to to leaders from all over all over the country is that extra youth ministry programs 
aren't necessarily spiritually beneficial Mm -hmm. for students, but finding places for them to be serving regularly, finding that safe place for them to be connected to to some adults and processing their questions where they can understand and learn what it it looks like to be in community is that that develops a, a deeper faith in them than, okay, so Sunday morning, I got Sunday school, Sunday night, I got youth group, Wednesday night, um, I've got my, you know, my Bible study. And then there's just all of these church programs. And some ways there's some sort of depth there that, that, that probably no, there is. develops. There, there, but could, there could very well be tons of depth in that, but it really comes down to the, the leader in that, you know, how they're really setting the kids up to really process their faith. Absolutely. It could be. But if the points check in the boxes that I was there, mm-hmm. not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So in the spirit of being developmentally appropriate and the word strategic, which we've thrown around a little bit, um, I wonder if as youth pastors, sometimes we approach it like our ministry needs to give them everything rather Mm -hmm. than build on each other. So like, I wonder if one of the ways you can measure depth is asking yourself, does our elementary school ministry build on our preschool ministry? Does our middle school ministry build on our elementary ministry, et cetera? And does the combined influence and the combined years equate to Mm -hmm. something bigger than just what happens when they're in your room? And with that, are we building on ramps for kids who didn't go through those ministries? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the kids are going to enter your ministry at all different ages. And so what's the on ramp for a kid in the 10th grade who's never been to church before in their life. and But it doesn't mean that we're not building things in kindergarten and in seventh grade for them to build on later, but then what's, right. the, what's the plan for the kid who wasn't there? Yeah, one of the things that I'm hearing is how important it is for us as church leaders to have a handle developmentally mm-hmm. on where our students are and so what's true. appropriate and what's helpful. So what what are some resources? I'm kind of setting this one up on a tee. <laughs> what are some resources if we're sitting out here and we're like, yeah, I know that seventh graders are kind of weird and quirky and 12th graders sometimes have beards, but like, I don't, like, I don't know. <laughs> Such a, sometimes. But I sometimes. Right. I did not. Still can't. Um, but <laughs> if we're out there and we're like, I didn't, I'm, I'm not an educator like you guys were. That wasn't the world right. that I came up in. And to be honest, uh, you know, I feel a little bit underdeveloped when I was younger in ministry of really understanding what's happening in the life of a seventh grader. I knew how to pull a program together, how to teach on this, different things like that. So what are some resources for those that need some help in understanding developmentally where their students might be? Well, I think one of the resources would be we worked on this two-year or three year feels like it took longer than three years phase <laughs> project, which was just a lot of research into where kids are at mm-hmm. every stage. And one of the reasons we did that was all of the research we could find for a long time was adolescence is like age 12 to 31. I mean, just <laughs> this ridiculous time span that we all know is not the same. So we started looking for what is unique as a freshman, what is unique as a sixth grader Hmm. and how do we leverage the opportunities that we may not get again because they'll never be in that same place again. And all that research is, is in a book called It's Just a Phase. We'll put a link to that in the show notes, but it's specifically for ministry leaders to figure out what is unique at each phase. You know, I had nothing to do with that book, but I get asked all the time from new youth pastors like, or youth or youth workers, you know, what, what are some books I need to read? It's the first one I say, I think Hmm. it should be on every Every family ministry, you know, leader's 
shelf and mm. it's just a face. So don't miss it. And it's the unique opportunities all the way through. And again, it's written, like you said, like I've gone through developmental psychology three times, you know, but that's not necessarily what most people get to do. And so mm. th the best part about this is, and it's not a simple read. I mean, it's still, yeah. but it is a resource book that you should have on your desk and go to it four or five, six times a year when you're planning and thinking about what it is that the kids in your different grade needs. And it's essential to teach small group leaders this, I think, mm -hmm. so that they understand what success is in a small group. Like, you know, I mean, my, fa my favorite is sixth grade boys. They come out and they're like, I only got them to talk for 12 minutes <laughs> up top. You know, <laughs> like great. way to go. That's you're like a superstar small group leader. If you can get sixth graders to talk for 12 minutes, sixth grade boys to talk for 12 minutes. On the other hand, you know, getting eighth grade girls to shush, yeah. you know, that's a whole different thing. So. All right, so it's just a phase. Don't miss it. Any other resources that you guys would recommend to help something like this? If you haven't already listened to episode 18 with Marco, he goes into... Marco Striker. Yes. That guy? Thank you so much. You bet. <laughs> um, he goes into some awesome information on the development of the teenage brain that really can shift the way you do ministry once you understand it. It was awesome. Maybe the smartest guy I know. <laughs> right? Yeah, love it. I mean, I've got... a a whole list of books that I think have been helpful. One is Teen, Teen Stages by Ken and Elizabeth Meller. Another is called Untangled, Guiding Teenage Girls Through the Seven Transitions into Adulthood by Dr. Lisa Demore. Those have both been hmm. so mm -hmm. helpful to and me. I, so, Crystal, I was going to say Untangled as well and add this caveat. Guy ministry leaders, you need to read up on teenage girls. You were not one. So you need to really kind of study. Mm -hmm. They've been entrusted to you. You need to study what makes them tick, study what it's like to be a teenage girl yeah. so that you can speak to them and speak to them in a way that they get it on a different level. And for those of you that are dads of daughters, that's also not a bad yeah. thing to be able to understand. No, not at all. All right, so as we wrap up this conversation, any, any final thoughts on this whole idea of how we can keep our ministry from being shallow? I would say if you want to have a deep student ministry, focus on your theology. That is important, and, and we're not saying don't do that, mm -hmm. but almost just as much focus on being theologically sound and developmentally sound because mm. what ultimately matters is what a kid walks away with, not just what was taught. If, if you teach it and they walk away and can't remember it or can't do it, then it it isn't as helpful yeah. as if they walk away and they can remember it's it and can do it. At so, all. so you know, trying to be nice. <laughs> I know, but I mean, let's be honest. It's not. I would say, um, as a final thought, like you have to define what deep is for you, and you have to also realize it will never be like someone's going to tell you that your ministry is not deep. That's mm -hmm. that's not going to change. And if your mm -hmm. goal is to get people to quit saying that, you've got to be a better leader than mm. that. Hey, Crystal, I want to jump back to what you just talked about. Um, I want to talk about one practical example of learning something that's developmentally appropriate for middle school and how that's kind of changed my focus and how I've done ministry and what I've learned in the process. Um, you know, specifically in middle school, when students are going through puberty, they gain the beautiful gift of abstract thinking, which allows them to become self-aware mm -hmm to see from third person perspective and to experience doubt. Like you can't do that before you have the abstract thinking. And so when you know that, you realize the importance of talking with middle schoolers about who they are and who they want to be and their relationship with other people mm. and encourage their doubts and their questions because that's really what's going to help them develop an authentic faith of their own yeah. anyways. And so I think if you want to go deep in your ministry, my encouragement would be, 
figure out who you're talking to and who you're leading because what may not be deep for you is what's going to be the deepest they can possibly go for them in that stage. Awesome. Well, Ashley, Chef, and Crystal, I really, I really value your guys' thoughts and opinions on this. Uh, for me, coming from someone who, you know, who's been on the Orange team for a little over a year, but who is just someone who's in full-time ministry uh, for over a decade, um, your voices matter um, and your backgrounds matter, your experiences matter. And I'm grateful for, grateful that I get to have these kind of conversations with you and that um, other people get to kind of listen into them. Um, and we hope that this was really valuable uh, for you. And if you have any, any thoughts, you know, you might be listening to this and thinking, Amen, amen. I love what they're saying. And you might be saying, "No, I'm I'm really wrestling with this. I'm not I'm not so sure I agree with this or well, what about this?" And we want to hear from you with those thoughts. So, you can join us on Facebook, facebook.com/xp3students. Follow us there. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at xp3students uh, or you can hop on the rethinkingym.org page and share some of your thoughts. What are you wrestling with when it comes to this idea of deep versus shallow? What are some things that maybe we didn't get to that you think are really helpful to understand? understand when it comes to this conversation. But thank you so much for hopping in and joining us this week on Rethinking Youth Ministry Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. And while you're there, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing, what we can do to make this better. And if you want to dive deeper into what we talked about today, check out our show notes and links to all the resources we talked and probably more that we didn't get to, but we would love for you to check out by heading to our website, rethinkingym.org. And until next time, I'm Brett. I'm Chef. I'm Crystal. And I'm Ashley. And thanks so much for listening.